Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. Larry Crabb writes, When I was 10 years old, I first heard Matthew 21, 22 where Jesus, who never lies, said, If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. It was the whatever model of prayer. Believe, ask for whatever you want, and it's yours. He said, I remember running outside as a 10-year-old, standing on our driveway, closing my eyes real tight, and praying, Lord, I want to fly like Superman, and I believe you can do it. So I'll jump. And you take it from there. He said, I jumped four times, and each time landed half a second later and half a foot farther down the driveway. I had believed, and I had asked, just like the Lord said, but I did not receive. And he said, thus began my 50-year journey of confusion about prayer. I believe he's like many uh, when it comes to the subject of prayer and how prayer works. But we don't need to be confused about prayer when we rightly divide the word of truth. God wants us to pray with the understanding, 1 Corinthians 14, 15 says, or pray intelligently. Pray with a clear grasp of what the scriptures rightly divided say about God's will and his provisions for our prayer lives in this present dispensation of grace. Prayer works differently today than it did for the nation of Israel under prophecy and under the law. God's instructions regarding prayer have changed under grace and for the church, the body of Christ, today. And there can only come disappointment, frustration, discouragement, and even in extreme cases, spiritual ruin if we claim a prayer promise that God never made to us. But then there is joy and there is peace when we understand the Lord's promises for us today in this present dispensation of the grace of God. Matthew 21, verse 22 says, And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. Now Mark eleven twenty-four also says, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Luke 11, 9, and 10 reads, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. John 15, 7, and 16, 23 say, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Whatsoever ye shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Many sincere believers have been encouraged by these verses to expect physical healing, daily employment, their marriages to be fixed, deliverance from temptation, and solutions to all sorts of problems in answer to their prayers. But when they ask for these things in prayer, believing, and they don't get them, 
they often are so disappointed they stop praying or they conclude that the Bible just isn't true. Why is it that these promises of whatever you ask for in prayer believing you will receive, why do they not work in people's experience? The problem of the ask and receive prayer promise begins to be answered when you notice where they're found. That they are found in certain parts of your Bible, namely in the four Gospels. Like we just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. In the four Gospels, during our Lord's earthly ministry, the Lord Jesus Christ was sent to the nation of Israel. He ministered to Israel. As he told a Gentile woman uh, during his earthly ministry, he told her, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. The Lord ministered under the law. He ministered in fulfillment of prophecy. The subject of the Gospels is to prepare the nation of Israel for the seven-year tribulation period and the millennial kingdom on the earth. Jesus Christ was sent to Israel. He came as Israel's promised Messiah to fulfill all the promises made to the nation of Israel from the Old Testament. And his message in the Gospels was that of a kingdom of heaven being at hand. And that kingdom that he talked about being at hand, over that kingdom, he was to be Israel's king. So it is in that context that those prayer promises were made. In the context of Christ's ministry to Israel under the law and his instruction to the nation of Israel, and importantly, that they are in the context of the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom that is to be established on the earth with Christ reigning as king. These prayer promises are made to Israel, not to us, the church, the body of Christ. This prayer promise is tied to Christ's teaching regarding the kingdom of heaven on the earth, when our hope is heaven above. When our Lord reigns on in the kingdom, things are going to be drastically different in this world. Isaiah gives many prophecies about how what the kingdom will be like when Christ reigns. And it says, a child shall die a hundred years old, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall feed together, and the lion shall eat straw like the bullock. Isaiah 11, 6 and 8 says, The wolf shall also dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the sucking child shall, shall play on the hole of the asp or a cobra's hole, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den or the viper's den. Now, under grace, I wouldn't recommend that you allow your children to play on a cobra's hole or put their hand in a, in a viper's den. But these are the kind of miraculous conditions that are going to prevail during our Lord's reign on the earth. And the prayer promises will be fulfilled and in effect at that time. They are tied to this kingdom. And Israel's prayer life will be in accordance with the miraculous nature of the kingdom. In Acts 4, 29-31, we find an example of this where a group from the kingdom church prayed this, And now, Lord, 
Behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Miraculously, the place where some of the kingdom church saints were assembled Literally, uh, that building shook beneath their feet as the church prayed this prayer. So you see these saints that had this kingdom hope praying for something in faith and receiving it. A miracle takes place, an earthquake, and they receive the boldness that they ask for. In the days of the kingdom on earth, the Word of God teaches that the kingdom saints will be supernaturally filled and controlled by the Holy Spirit and according to prophecy, by the Holy Spirit, God will cause them to do His will. And so you learn from that that their prayers in that future day will be Holy Spirit inspired so they can be trusted with this prayer promise. So whatever they ask for in prayer will be God's will and they will receive it. Now, not only in the gospel records do you find the ask and receive prayer promises, you find them also in the letter of James. James writes, Let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally, and it shall be given him. And he wrote, Is any sick among you? The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. So you see, asking and receiving, the prayer of faith resulting in God miraculously healing the sick. But when you read the first verse of the book of James, we know that he is writing to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. According to God's plan, James was writing to the twelve tribes of Israel in the past who had been scattered abroad. And that book will apply directly to the twelve tribes of Israel who will be scattered abroad after the rapture of the church. By who it is addressed to, we learn that James is not our male in the Bible. We are not the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We are the church, the body of Christ. Now we can and we should read the book of James, study it, learn from it, and apply its principles that are in line with what Paul teaches for today. But the 12 tribes, the nation of Israel, according to what Paul teaches in Romans 9-11, through 11, they have been temporarily set aside in unbelief today. And God's program today is with the Gentiles, the nations, in the dispensation of the grace of God. And Israel's promises under the law and under, the, under prophecy and her prayer promises are just like God's program with the nation of Israel. They are temporarily set aside. And they do not work today for the body of Christ under grace because it does not apply to us. The prayer promise of asking and receiving is not given to us living under grace. It was made to Israel by Christ, their Messiah, with their millennial kingdom in view. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. 1 Corinthians is a hardcover, 336-page verse-by-verse commentary written by Pastor Cornelius R. Stamm. 
the Corinthian believers were superficial in their perception of the truth and unbelievably permissive in their moral conduct. Also, as a congregation, they despised Paul's apostolic authority. Thus, the intent of this epistle was to correct the unruly conduct of these saints. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. Romans 8, 22-28 reads, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Today we are living in the dispensation of the grace of God. And for the last 2,000 years we've been living in the dispensation of grace. And under this dispensation, God never promises that whatever we ask for in prayer believing, we will receive. And that can be tested, and that can be proven by simply reading through the letters written by the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote 13 letters, Romans to Philemon, and we never read one ask and receive prayer promise. Romans to Philemon are our letters from home written directly to us, the church, the body of Christ, for this present dispensation of grace. In them we find our prayer instructions that are to be fully applied and lived by. Under grace, we are taught to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And it doesn't say whatsoever you ask in prayer believing, you will receive. Instead, it's The peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We are to take everything, every single thing to God in prayer. Every need, every question, every anxiety, every heartache, every concern is a call to prayer. Every single issue in life is prayer material. Even the good things in life are all a call to prayer too country preacher decided to skip services one Sunday and head to the hills to do some bear hunting. As he rounded the corner on a perilous twist in the trail, he and a bear collided, sending him and his rifle tumbling down the mountainside. Before he knew it, his rifle went one way, he went the other, landed on a rock, broke both his legs. That was the good news. The bad news was there was this ferocious bear who was charging at him from a distance and he couldn't move. And the preacher said, Oh Lord, I'm so sorry for skipping services today to come out here and hunt. Please forgive me and grant me just one wish. 
Please make a Christian out of that bear that's coming right at me. Lord, please. That very instant, the bear skidded to a halt, fell to its knees, clasped its paws together, and began to pray aloud right at the preacher's feet. Dear Lord, bless this food I am about to receive. As we pray under grace, uh, we learn something that needs to be applied to, that God wants us to pray and thank God for our food. First, the, First Timothy 4, 4 and 5 says, For every creature of God is good, nothing to be refused, if it be received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Under grace, when we pray, we pray with the knowledge that we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith or faithfulness of Christ. By the shed blood of Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence to God the Father. Thus, with confidence, we know and we, that we can bring all our requests to Him. And because of that constant access we have to the Father, we know that He hears all our prayers. For all of us in the body of Christ, we pray in the relationship that we enjoy with God the Father through God the Son. Because we are accepted in the Beloved and have free access to Him, we can speak directly to our Heavenly Father, and He wants us to bring all our requests to Him at all times. Under grace, we also pray, knowing Ephesians 3.20, that God is able, that He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think in prayer according to His perfect will. When I was attending Bible school at Breen Bible Institute in Slinger, Wisconsin, a couple of our instructors took a group of us students to Pacific Garden Mission in Chicago. Pacific Garden Mission is a well-known mission in Chicago and is where the radio program Unshackled is recorded. We got to see a taping of one of the salvation stories of Unshackled, and we were also given a tour of the facility. David Saulnier, the director of the mission at the time, led our tour, and we went into the cafeteria, and the large room was full of homeless men who were eating their dinners. David Saulnier went to the center of the room and stood up on one of the tables where the men were eating, and he shouted out to all the people there, little prayer. And all the men in that cafeteria shouted back immediately, little power. Then David shouted out, much prayer. And all the men shouted back, much power. And hearing all those men loudly shout this, it went straight to my soul and I've never, ever forgotten it. And how true it is that when we pray little, we have little power for our lives. And when our lives are filled with much prayer, we have much power. By prayer, we are strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. And of course, we know that the power of prayer is not in us who say prayers, but in the one who hears it. And He answers our requests according to His perfect wisdom and will. The Lord desires much prayer in our lives, and under grace, we are taught to pray without ceasing. We are taught to just Pray, and just pray all the time is how we're taught to pray under grace. Romans 8 also teaches us how to pray under grace. We see in Romans 8 how intimately involved in our lives God is. 
Now Paul says in verse 26, likewise, which means in the same way. And we should ask, likewise, or in the same way as what? Like Romans is, it's very logical and truths are built upon truths. And there is a progression of thought here that is given by Paul in his teaching. In verse 22, we see that the whole creation groaneth. Then in verse 23, we learn that even we ourselves groan within ourselves. Paul reminds the believer that the whole creation groans, and not only they, he says, even we ourselves groan, the believer who has the first fruits of the Spirit. So you see that the believer is not immune from the suffering and pains of this life. We live, we all live in this sin-cursed world, and as a result of living here, we groan, and we suffer along with everyone and everything else. And then in verse 26, you see that someone else groans. The Spirit groans within us who have the first fruits of the Spirit with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit indwells each and every believer. He is in us and with us everywhere we go and in all circumstances of our lives. He is with us in all our groans of our struggles and pains and suffering. Oftentimes in life, that's all you can do when the pain or the burden is so great that you just groan. And it's just, uh. But we should never be tempted to think that God is cruel or that God would ever leave us in our suffering or our trials. He is in us. Thus, He is always there. And by the passage we see how God the Holy Spirit within us groans to God the Father with groanings too deep for words in our difficult times, with such depth of feeling for us that it cannot be expressed in words. He knows what we feel. He knows what we are going through. He feels what we feel. And when we groan and are hurting, the Spirit feels that. So when we groan, He groans. Out of His great care for us, He sympathizes so deeply with us and He helps our infirmity and He intercedes on our behalf. And when He does so, it's been put so well that the Spirit prays to the Father with wisdom that we do not possess. He requests for us what we are too short-sighted to perceive. He intercedes so that our minds and the mind of the Father will unite and His will will be accomplished. Today, prayer is not receiving whatever we ask in prayer believing. Today, many times, it's just praying, Lord, I don't, not, I don't even know what or how to ask. And the Spirit helps us. The Spirit conveys the pain and the needs of our heart to the Father. And He intercedes on our behalf out of His deep love and care for us. And when we pray under grace, we pray according to Romans 8.28, by faith, knowing that God is working all things together for good. God's instructions for the body of Christ have changed in many respects from His instructions to the nation of Israel about prayer and about many other things. When we want to know how to pray under grace, we must turn to the letters of the Apostle Paul. 
because Paul is the apostle of the Gentiles, through whom the Lord Jesus Christ has given his instructions for us, his church, today under grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 7-9 read, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. God's people can be devastated if they are told that God's plan is to fix all their problems if they ask in prayer believing, and then it doesn't happen. The Lord never promised that for us in the dispensation of grace. Here we learn that the Apostle Paul, a man of great faith, did not get everything that he asked for in prayer. And so you see that something's changed here. We are all very much like Paul here because we like to pray like he prays here. Make it go away, Lord. (laughs) Fix it. We learn how Paul prayed and begged and besought the Lord three times for the Lord to remove his problem. And then the Lord spoke to Paul, and he didn't say, whatever you ask for in prayer believing, you'll receive if you have faith. He didn't, like in Acts chapter 5, like we looked at earlier, under a different program and a different prayer promise, shake the building underneath Paul's feet and immediately give him what was requested. Instead, the Lord told Paul, my grace is enough that His grace was more than sufficient for Him. When we are weak, we have the promise of strength by the grace of the Lord. And that promise remains true to this very moment. The Lord's grace is always sufficient, and it is that all-sufficient grace that transforms and strengthens our lives to live for Him. In John 1.14, it says that the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, And it says, full of grace and truth. Christ is full of grace. The grace that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ comes in the abundance of God's infinite supply. It therefore never diminishes. It is more than sufficient for all our needs. God's grace, when it's described in Scripture, it's always spoken of in terms of lavishness, excess, fullness, richness. And we need that. Because we all need much grace from the Lord. And in times of trouble and suffering, God puts His grace on display. In those times, we often want the Lord to remove the problem. But in those times, the Lord wants to show the all-sufficiency of His grace, the majesty and greatness of His power at work in our lives. Under grace, the Lord often does not answer our requests in the way we want, And He often does not take away our pain. Instead, His answer to our prayers is the same that He gave to Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. And He promises His grace and strength to help us in and through the time of trouble. God does not promise us a trouble-free life. But He does promise us His grace, His comfort, His nearness and strength which is available from Him at all times. Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. 
We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.